Christ with real Christianity. Now I want to give you the synopsis before we go into scripture, before we go down, but you know I always say this to you, I'm going to be real with you, but today I really want to be real with you. There are certain instances in this Christian walk in which you are adopted into and people promises you, uh, or the perfect people promise you, I want to say empty promises, which they're not all empty, but we become so charismatic sometimes in the kingdom of God that we start to preach and teach all prosperity things. And there's nothing wrong with that. Say there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. We sometimes chasing the cars and the houses and, and the fame and the fortune. And, and, and believe you me, God will go and lead you through those types of things as long as you serve them. But there's more to Christendom than just that. Sometimes we paint such a vivid picture and, and we have the lion and the lamb and they're hugging together and eating hay, no more meat. And you see all kinds of people just joining together. And we see that as the end of the journey. But we forget to tell you that this close in the nutrition pack of Christendom, there is pain. That unbeknownst to us sometimes, we, that's not the first thing that we put out. We say, oh, God is good. Yes, he is. God is great. Yes, he is. You'll have joy. Yes, you will. But you have to endure trials. There are circumstances which are going to make you want to quit. Reality check. You are now mature to a point where you cannot be continue to suckle on baby milk, but now it's time to use those strong teeth and bones that God has given you through the trials and experiences that you've gained. That it's now, it's now time to eat the meat of the word. And trials become okay when you understand who you serve. When you understand who's backing you up, it's okay now. I can't get in a fight with the devil because I know word. I know the spirit of God. I have me a sword of the spirit. I have the breastplate of righteousness. I can understand the gospel now. So it's in due time when you're giving this reality check that really helps you out. So, so, so look at somebody and say it's time, it's time. for a reality check. Yeah, we're going to have some fun. I'm going to put your hands together and give the Holy Spirit a prayer. It's time to come to grips with real Christianity. We have to understand that every day is not going to be sunny days. Every day is not going to be good. There are times where your trials may endure three and four seasons. There are times where your body may be infirm. There are times where your money will stay funny for a minute. There are times where you feel like the situation you're in, God is going to deliver you and he'll do you like Hosea and say, stay married to that harvest. And you see that you find no exit out of this situation, but God, who is the provider of it all, has a purpose in the trial that you're going through. And if you can only shift your focus from you to him, you will find joy in the circumstance that you're going through. Yeah. It's time to understand that real Christianity does not mean to live for me, but it's to live for him. And when someone says in the Bible that for Christ I live and for Christ I die, you have to be okay with that. Yes. See, many people don't want to be okay with that. Many people want to go to the church over here where, well, you know, girl, let's go over there. Your house is over there. Oh, we got the prophet that prophesied, go this and go that. Let's go over there. 
And people are looking for the next quick fix. And this is why they never really get through the valley of the shadow of death that we experience because you still want to stay at the, at the, start, at the starting line. You want to stay at the beginning. But it's time to come to grips with reality. Understanding that you're going to go through some things. And when you go through something, it's going to be for the glory of God. Listen, when, when, when God gave me this word, I understood this from a, from a woman's perspective. No, I'm not a woman, but, but I'm married to one. I understood it from a woman's perspective. That, that, that though women, you, you, you bear children through labor, it is a state, it is a fact. God said through your sorrow you will bear, you will bear children. But, but you have to understand that the labor does not outweigh what comes out. The glory, the present that you receive when you birth that child outweighs the labor that you go through. So you go through it anyway. You endure it. You, you count up the cost. You rack it and you know you're counting down those nine months and you're getting them breaths and hits and you're getting them contractions and you're saying, man, the time is coming. I've never endured this pain like this. I've never understood what it's like to break out a yes. human Come on, be honest. 
Father, he's so awesome. He'll use the very same thing you were running from to bless you. He'll use the same thing you were uh, enduring to bless you. That burning thing that you have, that you say, cast your burdens upon. He'll use that to insult you, to lift you up. Isn't that the type of God that we serve? Isn't he so awesome? That though we may not understand it yet, he has a purpose in that. See, what I love about the husbandman, the creator, the architect of this world is that he does not let any resources go to waste. Mm -hmm. Oh, God, I mean, I'm about to preach on this side. He don't let any resources go to waste. I remember when I was younger and I tried to cook, you know, and I burned the rice. See, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I gotta hit you with this. I'm from the Caribbean, you know. You burn the rice, so you know, you take the fluffy rice from the top, the white rice, you know, and you eat that, that's good. But the burnt part, oh, you throw it up. No, 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 penalty. Hold on. That's my Spanish story. Penalty. Hold on. You take that burnt part, and you sit down, and you start with a spoon, and you start. <laughs> and you start scraping that Hong Kong. That's what we call it, Hong Kong. And you take some of that with some beans and a little bit of the gravy from the meat, man, you got yourself a meal. <laughs> Look at somebody say, no resources. <laughs> God is the architect of your life. He will not let any resources go away. He'll use the bad and the good to bless you. He'll use the slanderers. He'll use the naysayers, the haters, the backfire. He'll use the fire to prove, to bring every impurity out of you. And just like a crucible, he'll heat you up in there that the good stuff may come down and the bad stuff may go up and then he'll sit every bad thing out of you. And when you are done, you are refined, pure as gold. I won't let nothing go to waste. That man that messed you up, I won't let him go to waste. That woman that messed you up, I won't let her go to waste. That job that slandered you, that fire won't let them go to waste. Those people that backfire and talk about you, I won't let them go to waste. For I use all things, I tell you, all things that the enemy meant for evil, I'll turn it around for your good. You gotta understand that when Satan gets up in the morning and he comes to try to mess you up, every situation, every Man, I could have had this. 
I'm just been there, done that. Oh, man. And I'm just praying, oh, Lord, please, I rebuke this in the name of Jesus. And God is like, no, I just did all this to try to push you to the next level. That's like a water trying to say, oh, God, I want to become seen, but I don't want no fire. Now, I've got the fire to make you steam, God. I want to go to the next level. You know that? The steam is the next level of liquid. Steam is the next level of liquid, but it can't get there without. <laughs> Some of you say, I want the next level. It's still right here. It means liquid. Sometimes God has to make you into a gas that you can soar above every situation. Because in your liquid form, sometimes we conform to anything that comes. Somebody said reality check. Reality check. So, 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 so James says, count it all joy, not some all. See, one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible is the, the scripture where it says that you have to walk circumspectly. That walk circumspect, circumspect means in a circle. And spe spectrum means to see, to visualize. So that means that it's almost like when you walk on thin ice, you don't just go on there and put, when you fall through. What you gotta do, you gotta, you know, you gotta check it out. You know, okay, this ain't crack. Okay, oh, this room's over here. Let me walk over here. So it's almost like walking like this. In your Christian walk, you gotta walk circumspectly. Yeah, I'm not saying you're gonna be suspicious, but you have to allow your spirit to be sensitive. You know, are you for me? Okay, oh, God bless you. You got a nice smile on you. Oh, whoa, hold on, man. You know, you ain't for me. Let me go this way. Now, not everybody that say God bless you to you is for you. The very same people that came against Jesus were the people from the church. Oh, Lord, I, I, I love you, Lord. Amen. Judas is. Oh, yes. You got to be careful that everybody got a Judas. You need a Judas. Judas will lead you to your cross. You need a Judas. Without a cross, there is no crown. Watch this. The most shameful way of dying in those days was by the cross. So it was handpicked by God. God, God, God could, have, could have said to Jesus, you know what? You're going to be hung. Or you're going to be burnt at the stake. He said, no, we're going to choose the most shameful way of dying, the cross. Because, watch it, the cross was, they, they, they exalted it. People up so everybody can see. Reality check. <laughs> Sometimes God will put your business out there. Not that everybody can know your business. You have to humble yourself and say, you know what? It don't matter to me who knows me, who don't know me. But when the glory of God comes out of you, it's going to blind people. He will use you as a spectacle. He used the cross to erect Jesus so everybody can see far off. When they pass by Jerusalem, they will see everybody who was hung on the cross. That's why it was the most shameful way to die. Because if you stole today and they came by tomorrow on the next day, they'll see you on a cross and they'll be like, man, that's a shame. And they put Jesus there so that everybody can see him because the scripture said that when he is exalted, what? He would draw all men unto him. Come on, give God some praise real quick.
So God is trying to make us come to grips with reality that we can know and understand it's not just about prosperity. It's not just about uh, receiving and taking. Yes, he will give you those things, but the Bible says that he will reward you when you diligently seek him. But you have to understand that your meat, your nutrition, your glory, your satisfaction is in satisfying him. I'm doing this not for the money, not for the house, not for the cause, but for the love that I'm chasing after. I'm enduring after the love. I'm looking for that approval. I'm doing it because I love you, Jesus, because I am coming after you. I count it. Sorry, I said count. To, to, to count it means to reckon it. That word reckon means to, to, it's almost like when you pay for something. You already paid for it in full. When you, when you reckon a, a, a piece of garden or a furniture or whatever it is, you already paid for it. You counted up the cost. It also means to calculate accordingly. So, so, so James says, count it, count it all joy. In other words, the counting part is the calculation. The joy is the outcome. So trial plus endurance equals trust. So he's telling you, when you enter a trial, carry the one, uh, with the two here, subtract. He says, whatever you do here, minus the one, put the two here. Whatever outcome, he said, it will equal joy. It equals joy. Calculate it. However you see it, calculate it. Calculate the fact. Calculate the situation. No, we understand that. If I go through this shadow of death experience, if I deal with these fools, if I deal with this situation, if I hold my tongue, if I let God fight my battle, if I say nothing to defend me, then the, the end state, the end result will still be joy. Calculate it for yourself. Look at everything that is coming against you. Isn't it so awesome how people will take out of their time. I, I, want, I want you to understand because time is valuable to me. People will take out of your time just to put your name in their mouth. How valuable are you? Amen? I'm like, geez, I'm like, must rub you the wrong way for, for, for real. So you got to go through all that problem just to Put my name in your mouth. But he's saying there's an equation here, an operation. There is something that the Lord is calculating. He is adding some haters to subtract some naysayers. He is adding some faith to subtract some doubt. I am calculating something. See, see sometimes some of us are too high-minded. Some of us still think, oh, you know, God has me. God has me. Yeah, but what happens when you can't hear from him? Do you still believe he got you? Some of us sometimes need to come up on a high horse. Some of us need to be humble just a little bit more, just a little bit lower. And God is trying to refine us pure as gold. He says, I'm working on a calculation. Don't you worry. I know my math is always good. You can have nobody plus Jesus if you have more than everything in the world. Come on, say that. Isn't that so awesome? He's the only man that don't make sense. He subtract to add. He will divide to multiply to. He said, I prune away, I take away of your fruit, and next year you have to double for your trouble. It doesn't make sense. But that is the thing about God. He's not trying to impress you in your natural. He's trying to impress you in your supernatural because the outcome is going to be internal. Mm -hmm. Glory be to God. 
we got to come to grips with this reality. I got to count it all joy when I enter various trials. I got I, I to do the calculation and understand that the end result of this will always be joy. Not happiness, but joy. Happiness are attached to things. Happiness are attached to emotions. Happiness are attached to certain feelings. I feel happy today because I got paid. It's Friday. I got paid. Hey. It's Friday. Come Monday, y'all pay your bills. And don't let some of you get paid bi-weekly. Because some of you are <laughs> weekly bipolar. <laughs> One week you happy, the other week you ain't happy. I can tell them I don't get paid bi-weekly. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I mean, you happy when everything's good. And then when it ain't good, you ain't happy. But that's not joy. Joy is an internal benefactor. Watch it. It's a benefactor. It comes from within your spirit. There is nothing that grieves your spirit. When's the last time you got on God's nerve? Think about that. She said every day. We hear me pray to the right God. Be careful. When you think about it, when's the last time you got on God's nerves? And as holy and sanctified and full of the Holy Spirit as you are, some people get on yours. You know, just try to hold your spirit, sister Nina. You get it. <laughs> <laughs> well, God bless you. You give them every scripture in the Bible. You know, the Lord said, you know, the whole thing for words. You know, prayer is, yeah, but I ain't trying to hear it. And you just run out of scripture, you just be like, get out of my face. <laughs> well, you know, sister, I'll just pray for you. Praise you. You just. Because you try all the scripture. But listen, as holy as sacrifice we are, sometimes we lose that patience. But God doesn't because there is always joy. Watch this. I started thinking about this. And I said, when, when you ever watch your little baby, when they're exploring and they're getting to know the world, and even in their mistakes to you, it's just, it brings you so much joy that they're still learning even to do. That's how God watches us. We're still babies to him. We're his creation. And he watches us day in and day night, day out. The Bible says in Ephesians 3 and 10, it says that the manifold wisdom, you have God's wisdom inside of you, but it's manifold, it's folding out. He's showing you in one aspect and another aspect. And in heaven, you are being watched like a reality show. They're watching you in heaven. It says the manifold wisdom of, that, of, 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 of God is being made known through the church by the heavenlies. So they're watching you and they're saying, what are you going to do with this? Okay, I know they have faith in God, but here comes a trial. Oh, here comes Satan. Oh man, the next episode is going to be really good. And you got the angels in heaven eating, uh, eating, eating popcorn and cotton candy clouds up in heaven just watching you. See what you're going to do. And somebody come at you and you want to curse them out and they're like, oh, here it is. It's going to get good. And you say, you know what? God bless you. And they say, oh man. And God said, I told you. <laughs> My wisdom in them. That's why I made them a little bit lower than the angels. That's why I made them out of the dirt to show you that whatever I deposit in you, whether it be dirt or divine, because it has my essence on the inside, you will still be more than a conqueror. Somebody give them glory in this place. That's why I'm not taken back by the enemy. I'm not taken back by any devils, witches, or warlocks. Let them curse at me. Let them tweet against me. Let them Instagram. Whatever it is, don't you know who I serve? My only prayer to those people is, I pray that you're able to reap what you sow. You got to be careful when you put your mouth 
on God's worksmanship. I don't care about me. Listen, people have been talking about me since before I was born. They were saying I'm born him. I don't care about my my uh, who, who what people say about me. I, I'm more concerned about you. Be careful what you're saying against godly people. Because you're speaking against God's creation. And James even says it. Listen, let me give you this. This, this is why I love the, the book of James, the Riddles book. I'm going to read you just some, some of our, our James' topics. He's real. That's like if James was one to come preaching from town to town, he, his service would be real small. He is not the prophet that is coming, laying on our hands, healing the sick, cleansing the leper, casting out demons. No, 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 no. He ain't prophesying no cars. He ain't prophesying no houses. He's giving you reality check. People will come and they'll be like about five in the service because this is his, top, his topic. If James were to come to a city near you, this is the topic that you will be hearing. You ready for this? Yeah. Enduring trials by faith. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> I want to hear money. <laughs> I want to hear cars. I want to hear babes. I want to hear man. I want to hear this. No, I don't want to hear that. No, we're going to talk about enduring trials uh, through faith. He's not even talking about coming out of it. He's talking about enduring. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, <laughs> reality check. Enduring. How to stay in it with your faith. That's what he's talking about. I'm not talking about coming out. I'm not talking about, you know, oh, there's a light on the tunnel. No, I'm telling you, when there's no light on the tunnel and it's all dark, how to be content in your darkness and know that God is with you. For the light is eternal, not eternal. This is real Christian stuff. Yeah. See, this is stuff that I've been waiting to share with many people for a long time. But at the beginning, you can't share because you can't give meat to a toothless baby. So you got to wean them off the milk. Amen? Amen. You ready for another one? Yeah. Resisting temptation as God born, as God as godly born ones. Resisting temptation. Not overcoming them, resisting them. In other words, stay right there. I know she's dancing right now. Stay right there. Don't say nothing. Don't do nothing. They talking about you. Right to your face. I know you, PD. I know you can't do nothing. Can't go back to the world. How many of us will say, oh man, you would have caught me 10 years ago? <laughs> That's amazing. You catch apostles, you catch the Ramos without the apostle, right? Oh, that's Ramos here. No, there's apostle Ramos, that's Ramos here. But that's what the enemy wants. The enemy wants to get you out of character. You guys remember a dude by the name of Nehemiah? Who God sent to work on the wall? And there were so many people trying to distract him. Like, yo, come down off the wall. We got something we're going to talk to you. We, you got your permits? Uh, you, you, you got everything. You know, you ain't got enough money. Come down here. We'll give you a loan. Come work with us. Come do. The enemy will do whatever he can do to try to distract you from God's purpose. Uh, yes. It ain't all about you. Look at somebody say, it ain't all about me. Amen. Look at this another one. He says, living a God-fearing life. By the implanted word according to the perfect law of freedom. Now that's too long. Nobody will come to that service. <laughs> Living a God-fearing life. Having no respect of person among the brothers. Now we know we know. That would have been a course we would have failed now. No respect of person. I, I like you more than I like him. I like him more than I like you. We got cliques. We got groupies. I hang around here. I hang around there. Stay within my own compounds. He said, no, you can't do that. Because you never know where your blessing is coming from. 
You never know who God's going to use. God will use white, black, Puerto Rican, Puerto Rican, Haitian, whoever it is. God will use yellow, blue, whatever it is. God will use whomever, whatever, whatever it is to try to bless you. Man, he preached a great sermon one time from a donkey. You ever heard that story? The prophet Balaam. And then the donkey spoke to him. God was preaching. <laughs> Through an animal. So we cannot confine God to religiosity, to culture, to diversity, to politics, to whatever it is. We have to let God be free. Amen? And he will teach you everything that you need to be told. Amen? Amen. Come on, put your hands together. So, so James says off the back, he says, Count it all trials when you enter, uh, count it all joy, excuse me, my brother, when you enter various trials. But watch this, it says, knowing, knowing, knowing. Somebody say, knowing. 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 That is one of the, the greatest, I want to say, obstacle of the Christian, uh, Christian life today, knowing. The Bible says that my people perish because of lack of what? Knowledge. Knowledge. Sometimes we don't know that rubber tussin is good for us. It tastes nasty, but it's good for you. And sometimes God will bring a brother tussle type of trial in your life that ain't going to be good. It's going to be bitter. It's not going to be sweet at all, but it's going to do you well. Or sometimes you'll come, blessings come in the, in the form of a surgical tool to cut away. You got to get cut in order to get healed. You got to lay down in order to be helped. Sometimes we go through various accidents and God makes us take a break. He's been telling you all along, take a break, take a break. No, God, I'm good, I'm good, I'll do it. Boom, you hit something. Now you're going to be on bed rest. God's trying to help you out. See, his plans, have you have to understand, his plans are greater than your plans. His ways are greater than your ways. Everybody ever try to outdo God every now and then? I'm the only one? Yeah, a bunch of y'all Okay, okay, we're good now. Job, my ministry, my business, my life, everything. 
and I, and we have both linked calendars, and we both get alerts, and I know the first thing I do, yes, I don't pray for religious reasons, I pray because I know Satan is getting up when I'm up. And because I'm still here, I'm anointed, I'm favored of God, he has called me, I know that he's going to try me. If it ain't through my truck, it's through somebody. If it ain't through somebody, it's through the children. If it ain't through the children, for something else. Whatever it is, and I have to, like I said, walk circumspectively. I have to see beyond the natural and see through the spirit. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So when I see you and I get into an altercation with you, I try to resolve it in the spirit realm because I know it in you. Naturally, you're just discontented for some reason that you're going through. But the knowledge of my understanding in the spirit, I'm not going to battle. I'm not going to respect with you back and forth. I'm going to say, you know what? Yeah, I'm sorry. Forgive you. And you wanted this big old battle and said, what happened, man? We didn't fight because I ain't going to fight you because I'm not fighting you. Amen? Amen? So this is where we need to understand reality. That when somebody comes discontented towards you, you don't know what their days was like. You don't know if they got offended because of something you did or did not know, unbeknownst to you. You don't know, because, watch if I go by you and I don't say God bless you to you and you get offended by that, it just lets me show, man, you value my, my, or my acknowledgement of you. Right? That's what that does. So instead of getting hurt by it, well, you know what? I ain't gonna talk to you no more. You dumb, you stupid. No, it's just a man. So you really value my acknowledgement of you. You know what? Forgive me that I did not give you that acknowledgement. I'm sorry. Why you? People so respectful. We're talking with folks. I'm sorry. I feel dumb. Yeah, that's what you want to do. You don't want to dumb sick. I don't have time. <laughs> you want to be real? Yeah. <laughs> You have to understand, as, as Christian, I am about my father's business. Remember when Mary lost Jesus? She came back looking for Jesus. She probably, you know, she, she was one of our mothers. <laughs> she probably let him have it. But I can tell Mary, virgin, birth, holy, mother Mary, Jesus, why are you going to do this to your mother? You know, I carried you from the Holy Spirit. I love it now. That's why I can't. <laughs> one of our mother. Who in the... <laughs> do you think... I know you may be the master of the universe, whatever, but if you're under my roof, you are still my child. Your mitzvah is not to 12 years old. And you only 11 and three quarters, so you better bring your butt. Oh, but she... <laughs> Joseph was probably like, Better listen to your mother. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't hear much from Joseph after that, right? No. Jesus? But look how bold Jesus was yes. to the woman who carried him in the spirit for nine months, who endured rejection. He looked at her and said, I must be about my father's business. Did you not know? That's almost like a rebuke. You don't know that I am about my father's business? He probably said like that, but you know what I mean? I'm about my father's business. 
And, and the reason he said that is because you have to understand that I don't have time to be back and forth, wasting spirit, wasting energy, back and forth. I am about God's business. God's business is for me to represent him. I'm not about here to go back and forth and tell you who's right or wrong. You think I'm wrong? Then, then you believe that. Whatever keeps relationship alive, whatever keeps this restoration, whatever you want to do, you think I'm wrong, then so be it. I know I'm not wrong. I know I'm not that. I know God knows I'm not that. Let's keep it moving. Let's keep working to the things of God, but I'm not here to lose energy because I'm about my father's business. Amen? Amen. One of the commentators says this. I won't be before you long. One of the commentators says this. He says that when you count it up all joy, it says that it is a, a given occasion for you to do something. It's an occasion that God gives you for you to do something. And I started getting deep and I said, what does it mean by an occasion? Well, an occasion is a special event, a special time. It is a gap in the time-space continuum that, that where you are being presented to do something. I like to think about a special occasion as this. You ever had like a special outfit? And you bought it, man, you went to the store, man, this outfit you are banging in this outfit, man. You are bad in this. You put it on down to the sneakers, kind of like what I have on right now. <laughs> and, and, but, but you need a special occasion because you want everybody to see you. Mm-hmm. Oh, that went real holy on me. You know nobody? Let me have the type of outfits you, you, you yeah. want people to be like, <laughs> yeah. you walking like this, like, you get to a place, and you do this real quick. <laughs> And you'd be like, yeah, you know, man, I'm just, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm just. Yeah, you'd be like, why are you standing like that? Oh, nothing, man. You talking, somebody talking to you, do like three poses. Yeah, you know, Apostle, I'm like, yeah, huh? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You want to show off your outfit. Well, that's what a special occasion, when James says, count it all joy, you got to understand that you have the joy of God on the inside of you. You have the peace of God on the inside of you. You got the strength of God on the inside of you. Now, God says, I'm going to make an occasion for you to showcase what I've given you. You talk about, oh, you know, the presence of God is with me. The peace of God. You know, all oh, his peace surpasses all my understanding. And he'll come Satan poking out his head. And you go bananas. What happened to that peace? <laughs> surpasses all understanding. And you acting a fool. And that's why some of us go through the same trial over and over because it's just like like grammar school and doing grade school. We have not passed it. So guess what? We failed and we got to go back through it again. But he said, count it all joy. You have the peace of God, the presence of God, the power of God. God will give you circumstances. And what you got to do is you got to say, okay, okay, God, here it comes. I'm going to deal with this person. I know I know they ain't saved. I know they ain't home. Oh, my God, man. Oh, no, I don't want to do this. No, no, but I have an opportunity. I have an occasion right now to show and put forth the glory of God. And when you act with that sincerity, and that compassion, even though you want to suck them upside your head, God gets the glory and you get to pass to the next level. Amen. That's the reality of Christianity. I'm going to close with this because this is going to be a series, like I said. And, <clears throat> and I believe that we're going to go to a part two. Bishop, you going to bless us too with this sermon? So come on, let's get Bishop in one of our Sorry when I'm hooping and hollering today, but this is reality. 
James says this. I'm going to close with this. James says, sometimes, don't you know, where strife, envy, jealousy, and all of the sorts, don't you know it comes from within ourselves? Most of the time we're looking at the person that's bringing the trial as the anti, as the enemy, the hater. But those trials come from within you. Because if I'm not a jealous person, and you bring me a jealous situation, <laughs> you can bring me whatever you want if I'm not affected by it. Then does not the trial come from within? Does that make sense? If you bring me ice cream, and I'm tempted by ice cream, I can't be mad at you for always eating ice cream. Okay, he go again. He know I can't stand eating ice cream. I'm lactose. And he go, I eat ice cream all over again. I can't stand you. <laughs> but he ain't got the problem. He's content. It's me that have the problem. I'm the one with the problem. So he said, he said, stop looking out and blaming people. Blaming Satan. Stop giving Satan so much credit. Satan's going walking around with all this credit. He's just walking around, you know, doing it for the other, just minding his own business. Every time he hears that, he says, Me? I did that? Okay, I'll take it. He mind it. He's not omniscient. He's not omnipresent. He's not everywhere like God is. We give him the devil credit. He's over in Italy messing with one of your family members. And I did that, but all right. Thank you. <laughs> Ooh, they think I'm like God. Let him think that. He's not. But he says, jealousy, envy, strife, and all the sorts, it comes from within our member. If you watch this, this is the purpose of this sermon series. If you get a grip with reality, with real Christianity, which means that I will endure all pain, all strife. I will go through all trials for his name's sake, but he shall be glorified in me, and he shall still make me more than a conqueror. You are a conqueror. You already won the war. Understand that. But if I can go through these trials and not be affected by them like the three Hebrew boys, then I can walk through the midst of any I can endure anything and all things because I know Christ is with me. What can I not overcome? In the name of Jesus. There is nothing that you cannot overcome. For God is with you everywhere you go. Amen? Amen. Let us stand with Amen. Amen. Coming to grips with real Christianity. Father, I pray on today that though, oh God, this was not the regular service that we're used to, but a more mature, more intellectual, more conversant, per se. Allow us, oh God, to come to grips, to understand that our purpose of our life is not always to be in the comfort zone but to endure the trials of life to endure the circumstances father you have deposited in us because we can because we're able we're more than conquerors there is nothing that comes to break us 
There's nothing that comes to snatch from us, to take from us. But the reality of this Christian walk is that whatever we have received, we take it by your authority. And whatever we have lost, we have rendered it by the same authority. That whether we receive peace, we take it because you give it to us freely. And whether we have lost the same peace, it's because we, we, we have given it up. Allow, oh God, these saints to know and understand the power that they truly have. That nobody snatches their life. That just like your son, oh God, he can put it down and pick it up. It's no coincidence that we can be happy today and tomorrow sad. For you are in control of your own Christian walk. Look at somebody say, I am in control. Say, I am in control. Say, I am in control. You cannot be like various uh, children tossed to and fro with various winds of doctrine. You're happy today because you've got the word. And tomorrow you're going to build and you toss to and fro. You're going to understand that no matter what storms come, be anchored in God. That though the waves may make you go up and down, I'm not going nowhere because my anchor is deep down in the presence of the Lord. You are, have always been, and will always be in control of your own Christian walk. Stop saying these cliches about people taking your faith, people taking your peace, people taking your joy. The devil is a liar from the pit of hell. You are in control of your peace, your joy, your happiness. Ignore the fact that they're talking about you. Ignore it. So what? You know you ain't that. You're not that. But know who God says you are. For the grant is this knowledge and wisdom. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's give God about 15 seconds of praise. Come on, if you a prayer of praise, give glory in this place. Say, God, I thank you for the reality check. I thank you for setting my perspective of this reality. In your name, God, we pray.
I'm sliding you somewhere here with some glory over here. See, when people come to grips with who you really are, they will accuse you. Because you come to disturb their comfort. You really who you are. You're the son of man. Romans, blasphemer here. Blasphemer, please take him out of our jurisdiction. When people come to grips to, to who you really are, they're going to try to accuse you. That's why I was telling you last week, you ain't talking about you. Somebody say conduits. 
If you don't know what a conduit is, it is an empty pipe that allows something from one end to the other end to pass through. We do it in construction all the time. We put conduits for electrical systems. In other words, if you're an electrician and you got to get the, uh, an electrical wire from this end of the building to that end of the building, you just look for the opening of the conduit. And you feed your wire through. The conduit sometimes has many bends and groups and all this stuff. And what happens is that you keep pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. It comes out on the other end. God wants you to be a spiritual conduit for his gift. That he can push his gift through you and it come out on the other end. But the world has hurt us so much that it's took that straight path and made it crooked. And we become partial when it comes to who and whom we want to disperse God's gifts to. Am I speaking right? So the first chapter, he talks about pain and glory. But in the second one, he talks about not having no partiality. Why? Because when you endure pain to get to the glory of God, you you will tend to become partial in nature. Because those who hurt you, those who abuse you, who abuse you, abnormally use you. See, you're always meant to be used, but in the right way. And there are those that will abuse you. But he said that when you come out with glory, don't be partial to release it. Let's read some scriptures, amen? James chapter 2. You don't have to say I'm going to fly you real quick. Verse 1. Ready? I'm going to read from this one. Amen. My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. I'm going to read that again out there. That right there should have just, should have been doing somersaults. He said, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory with partiality. Look at somebody and say, I'm holding something. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, there should also there should um, I said, there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing fine clothes and say to him, You sit here in a good place and say to the poor, you stand there or sit here by the footstool. You have not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts. Listen, my beloved brethren. Has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme that the nobleman name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, talking about the law of the Israelites, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the laws as a transgressor. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of it all. For he who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder. Now if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the whole law. 
So speak and so do and do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. I just want to read the whole chapter, the whole part as you can see. But James starts off by telling us about the trials. And after the trials, is going to come to glory. But while you go through what you're going through, your nature will be to become partial. You will share God's love with some, and others you will not even give the time of day. It is by nature that you are inclined that because you're hurt, you're going to say, I'm not coming around that person no more. I'm going to stay clear of you. Oh, I know what you did to me, so I may go to church and have a glorious day, but when I come to you, I'm back to me. You know me as apostle, but that person knows me as Miguel. And it's okay with me to live with what I'm holding, which is the glory of God, and disperse it in partiality. The reason I say this is because many of us Christians have been living like this for way too long. And we come to church and we say, whom the Son has set free is free indeed. But are we really free when we are bound by the hurts that other people caused us that was necessary according to what James said in chapter 1? If you hurt me to get to level 2, I'm going to say this either. If you hurt me so that I can progress and get to level two. Should I be mad at you or happy with you? Oh, got real quiet. By the time to one of them services, Marcus. Got real quiet. James says, we do not have the right, the right to be partial when God did not keep his mercy from us. He did not withhold any good things from you. When you needed mercy, he was there. When you needed understanding, he was there. As wretched as we were, well, some of us are still are, <laughs> he still showed us and gave freely. How many times have we said, God, one more time? How many times have we said, God, if you do this? How many times have we said, God, please deliver me? How many times have we uh, 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 made covenants with God and made treaties and, 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 and vows with God? And what happens is that we go and we do it again. So much so that some of us walk around like we owe somebody something, but we try to not see them. Yeah. Wow. You owe somebody something and you be like, they come and you be like, <laughs> oh, Oh man, what's up, man? I didn't see you there. I didn't see you. No, you know, I'm going to get some fruit over here. How you been, man? Yeah, how's the fight? Oh, everything's good. All right, but listen, I got to go. Oh, no, I'm going to get you that. Yeah, I'm going to get you that. Yeah, I'm going to get you that. Yeah. And, and sometimes we become numb to what God tells us, tells us to do from the very beginning. He calls us, right, to be holy for he is holy, right? He tells us love like I love. He said that with loving kindness have I draw a multitude. He tells us all these things, but sometimes we become so numb to it that we're like, you know what, I just, I'm just trying to get through. It's just me and God. You know, God, you know, just give me another day. But we've forgotten our task, which is to be that conduit. Here you have God as the electrician trying to push power 
power through you, but power does not emanate because your conduit is so twisted up. And then, then we come to the Lord and we pray and we hum on all this stuff and we want God to push forth for His power, but your conduit is twisted because you haven't you haven't forgiven that one brother or sister. Oh, we haven't really come to grips with real reality. Say, you know what, God, I need a reality check. I gotta check myself every day, all the time, because I, I cannot. I want to say this. Uh, what's the one I'm looking for? I cannot afford for God's glory not to come out. I can't afford it. You, your life depends on, on me having a clear conduit. Think about it. I come up here and I commit to you as your pastor. And you tell a pastor, what is God saying for me? Um, let me clean out my pipes. I'm sorry. <laughs> let me clean out my pipes, see what God said for you. And make sure that what's coming through is not the lint from the residue of the pain that I have, but really God's glory. My God. I want to give the mic to somebody else. I think we put this series too early. Look at the Bible. Say reality check. Let's break the scriptures down. Look what he says. He says, "My brother, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do not hold the faith of my Lord of the Lord Jesus Christ." Somebody say faith. Faith is more than what we say, you know, the substance of things, hope for evidence of things I see. Faith is more than just that. Faith is more than the cliche. It's more than the heavenly currency from which we purchase certain things in heaven. Faith, I want to see, is the preeminence. It is the essence that exists in heaven. Without faith in God, you cannot please God. And imagine you living in heaven. You're an angel. You live in heaven and you're not pleasing God. Imagine the, the, the commotion that there will be. Last time I heard that happen, somebody got passed out to the earth. So imagine you being in the presence of God and not pleasing Him. We're the only creatures that is okay with that. The Bible says, let everything that has breath, what? So everything that's living every day, every morning when they wake up, the lion roars, the cheetah pants, the deer come by the water, the trees sway, the wind blows. Everything gives God glory by submitting to what he was told to do. Have you seen a cow on a roof? Ever seen a cow on a roof? Ever seen a duck swimming backwards like this? Because everything that he created is subject and submitted to the will of God. We're the only ones who say, I don't want to do it today. My God. My God. And at the same time, we look at it and we say, oh man, that is so bad. But at the same time, just listen to how much power you have that you can tell the preeminence, the one and only true God who created the heavens and the earth. This God told the, the sun to chill. He, he made us say, stay right there. The sun with all his power, the sun said, I ain't moving from here. That's what I'm But we say, nah, God, I ain't doing that. So who has more power? The sun? The, the, not the sun, not Jesus, but the sun? Or you? You have more power. Because the sun has not moved. So God says, stay. So, so I'm telling you this, that, that when God calls us to really come to grips with real Christianity, we should submit 
to the authority and the will of God and in everything that he's telling us to do, you will see the preeminence. You will see the glory of God. I know that God will tell you in the spirit to touch folk that you've never seen before, to talk to total strangers, to lay hands on people that are from the opposite culture. You've never seen them. You've never heard of them. But this is God. He is in touch and he wants to be in tune with his people. And you are now the new recruits who are allowing God to operate through your spirit as a clean conduit. He'll Where you live, this partiality where you drive. 
We constantly, uh, I want to say, break things down in everything. Think about it. You go on social media. All right? Your friend, how many likes you have? How many followers you have? I ain't following you. You're not worth my following. I've heard people actually, social media experts, people say, oh, you know, you can't follow everybody. I'm like, why not? I like what they're saying. This is for real. You can't follow. People got to see, you know, you got a little follower, you people following you. Everybody wants people to follow them, but nobody wants to follow nobody. I want you to see <laughs> how subtle Satan is. Like that dude is, I'm not, I'm not picking him up, but that dude is crafty. You understand? He uses the tools that God gives us. Look, God gave us the church and Satan said, oh, I'm going to come in the church. Right. I'm going to divide you up. I'm going to tell you different denominations and all this stuff. Now we're all divided, partialism. I remember the first time I gave my spot sign my life to Christ. I was talking to some Spanish folks. They were like, oh, what church you belong to? I didn't know denomination, so I was like, uh, you know, this, whatever. And they were like, oh, that's the Pentecostal. Oh, that's the best. And I was like, yeah. I know I'm broke back there. I know Pentecostal Baptist what? I'm like, whatever. Right? They were like, oh, yeah, that's the best. But we're so partial in what we release and don't believe. But how can then we come before the altar and we tell God, God, flow through me. Breathe through me. Use me mightily. But yet we become partial in what we put now. Who make you the broker of the gift to say, you get, you don't get? That's good. Well, you ain't been in a church in a long time, but guess what? I'm not giving you how much you always in the church. How dare us tamper with the masses? I'm sorry. We hooped and hollered. Thank you, Mr. Webb. We did that. It's time to reality check. I'm trying to make you not the best Christian. There's no such thing as the best Christian. I'm trying to make you effective Christians. Amen. That when you step out these doors right here, everybody you touch is going to be influenced by the Spirit of God and not the Spirit of Miguel. Amen. If you can see God through me and in me, it ain't about me. Listen, I'm going to live my life. I'm going to enjoy myself. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. But while I'm doing it, God's going to use me. On off days and on days. Whether I'm at work or out of work. Amen. I don't care what I'm at. Lord, use me. Why? Because you gave your life for me. The least I can do is give my life to you. Amen? Amen. Come on, clap your hands for God's glory. Amen. I'm, I'm going to tell you this. and I'm almost close for today. <laughs> I'm going to give you this. You guys remember, that because this scripture is going to bless you so much. <clears throat> you guys remember the man at the pool of Bethesda. There was this man, for those of you who don't know, that Jesus tells the story. This man was in, 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 in an infirm state for 38 years. So 38 years, the, the, there was a, a folklore or a tale that said uh, uh, that, that, that every time the angel would come down and he would stir up the pool. And this pool had healing power. So what happened was that when the pool was stirred up, people would step in it. So, so basically we're just talking about, you know, God is holding back the darkness that we can step in it. Your worship is a type of healing pool. Yeah. That was just little yeah. that I gave you. Yeah. So Jesus tells the story, and he says to this man, you know, uh, uh, why have you not gotten healed? And the man said, well, you know, the, the stirring of the pool is seasonal. The stirring of the pool is seasonal. And every time I, I try to make myself ready, I miss the season. So, so, so here it is. He's talking to the master of seasons about it being the season's fault that he's not blessed. Oh, blessing me. 
Why not? Why ain't you blessed? Well, my season ain't right yet. Well, I made you. I created you and the season. I made you and the Sabbath. I made the Sabbath for you, not you for it. Okay. So, so I, I just love to teach you. I'm sorry. So, so the man tells him, oh, every time the, the water is stirred, I can't make it there because somebody else comes and takes my season. Oh, I'm sorry, my pool. <laughs> somebody else comes, takes my season, so I go back to my cup and I lay down. And the man was waiting in this state for 38 years. Imagine 38 years. 38 years. You say to yourself, one day, one day, one day, this coming, one day, one day, one day. 38 years. Now, what happens is, and a lot of theologians don't catch this, is that Jesus being the Lord of faith, you just heard what James said, right? Jesus being the Lord of faith, he tells the man, oh, this is so awesome. He tells the man, listen, get up and walk. The man never even stepped in the pool, but he was healed just from talking to Jesus. And what Jesus did was that he transferred his faith to the man. He gave him confidence to believe that all he had to do was get up and forget the pool. In other words, what blesses you is not just seasons, it's when you determine when to grab well, you know, you know, real estate season comes around, man. So I'm going to wait till next man to really get into a flipping house. Don't you know that God that you serve will create season for you? You are a creator like he is. Let us make man in our image, having dominion, having power and authority. You can make your own winter. You can make your own summer. You can make your own spring. You can make your own fall. So Jesus transferred his faith from him to the man. Jesus, watch this, got him into grips with real reality, with real Christianity. He told him, it's not the pool that gets you blessed. It's your understanding of what you can do. And likewise, Jesus holding faith and dispensing it upon people is the same thing that James says when he says, my brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. You are holding the same power that got the man with 38 years of infirmity healed. You're holding the same power that Jesus is holding. And all you have to do is give somebody a little faith. And when you do, that person will be delivered. I'm going to close with this. It's a nice and nice day. And I got my whole day planned, girl. <laughs> Don't you like that people you always put it on somebody else? While I chuck off, because y'all getting sleepy and all that stuff. But you know, we, we got a whole day planned. You know, we're going to play some. I don't want to say it because then my kids are home to it. They ain't children in church, God bless you. Yeah. Daddy, you said this from the pulpit. Well, now you listen. <laughs> <laughs> I thought to myself this, I said, I said, why was Jesus in such a hurry to expose the, the, the glory of God? Why was he, it's like, like, like such a great man, such a great man died at age 33 and a half, 33 and a half, 33 and a half. 
You know, we, we hear the obituary, we hear the, 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 the people falling away, and we say, oh man, 65, he was so young, you know, 62, or oh, she was so, you know, she was so young. You know, people are dying young. But but God got more accomplished in less time. And we're trying to hold on to a life that that was never meant to be held. We're all going to be wonderful one day. But what do we do in the meantime? What do we do? So, so I said that to say this. And I said, why was he in such a rush? Because Jesus was trying to release as many people that were bound as possible. If, if I can tap into your understanding and get you to be released from darkness into reality and leave you there, just leave you in reality, you will get an understanding for yourself that will make you not want to go back to darkness. You ever walk somebody up and turn the lights on and then you tell them, just go back to see it, I can't. Well, it's the same thing. It's the same when the Bible uses the illustration from darkness into light. When you when you help somebody get saved and understand the glory of God that He puts in His word, He who tasted the goodness and the glorious things of God is it's inevitable for you to come back. That's why stop trying to indoctrinate people with God. Oh yeah, we do this and we do that in the spirit. And you know this. And no, don't give them theology. Give them love. Come out of that. Stop doing that. Give your life to Christ and leave them there. They're gonna be eyes wide open. Oh my God, this is right. So, so Jesus said, I must release as many people as possible because that's the only way that you start a movement. See, see, your ministry has always been a movement. That's why it could not be stopped. Jesus' ministry could not be stopped because it was a movement, not a monument. We worship monuments. We go to the church. We go to the mosque. We go to the synagogue. We, we the idol. Oh, where's St. Peter's Basilica? Where is uh, St. Paul's statue? Those are monuments. They don't move. The enemy wants you to stand still. But you are a movement. You go from one place to the next. You are transitional. What God has created is transitional. You may die today, but tomorrow your spirit lives. Your work lives. Your, your character lives. I can see the, 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 the people here, the Terrences and the Wesley, and all of you. Why? Because they live on. Through other people. So Jesus is trying to release as many people as possible to keep the wheels moving. This is a question that I want to ask you in this reality check portion of this sermon series. Whose deliverance am I holding up? Thank you. That was another good point. Reality check. Reality check. Let us say. <laughs> Who's deliverance? In my home. And it don't always have to be something bad that they're doing. You could be the next person who push that person to their financial dream. Or push that person to start their ministry. Stephen understood that preaching Christ in the midst of of Jewish leaders was going to get him killed. But he said, if I reach one person, it'll all be worth it. Mm -hmm. 
And he was preaching on getting stoned. He was preaching, getting hit, still quoting scriptures, still preaching. And in the midst of the crowd that was throwing stones, there was one little boy that somehow said, let me listen instead of judging. And he heard the word. And this little boy, though a persecutor in nature, went on to be the writer of more than 65% of the New Testament Bible. That was Paul. Who's your Paul in your ministry? Who's the one person that needs to hear that God bless you? From your lips. See, that's, that's what we have problems with. Oh, you know, somebody will tell them God bless them. No. There is a subtle power but effective when it comes from your lips. When it comes from the fruit of your lips. She can tell me. She can tell me. But it's different when it comes from your lips. From your hands. It's different when it comes from the person who at least expected it. You know, people tell me all the time in the church world, well, Pastor, you know, I, I know you would say that. Because you know what I stand for. But when I say the same thing to unbelievers, to people in my line of work, it's like, wow. Wow. How do you know that? How can you know that about me? How can you know that I need a prayer right now? How can you know that I'm going through this right now? How can you have known? See, your light shines greater in the midst of darkness. So sometimes, though we like to emphasize and bring each other up here in the church, your light will be more effective out there when it's needed. And you don't have to pull a pulpit out and bring the Bible. All you have to do is be the free you that God called you to be. Love. Help. Listen, I don't have much, but here's a cup of coffee. Here's a cheeseburger. Well, why you don't do that to me? That's not your time to start going into doctrine. Well, you know why? Let me tell my testimony. God brought me. Why do you want to do this to me? Because just love. Let people translate their own sermon of your life. Let people really decide why you are so peculiar. Let them be intrigued by you. Let them follow you. Man, why is he so awesome, so great all the time? Just drop it. And just go. And as you go, people will follow you. And you will lead them into the source of your power. Why do you always put a pep and put a power? You know, just. And when you come before the altar and they come around that corner and they see you like this, they're going to say, man, so the rumors are true that God does live in people. 
and he does operate for people and he has not forgotten you and there are angels that we have entertained and you are those angels those angels those Greek Greek angels messengers you are those messengers that God has called forth to put out his glory I beseech you there brethren to present present your life your bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable holy is not perfect it just means available it means that when God needs me I'm there I am consecrated for God that anytime you need to use me whether it's with my wife or with a total stranger God I'm available anytime acceptable that we may prove look as I say prove we have something to prove yo. your purpose here in this world is to prove that God exists Amen. Come on, give God some praise in this place. Spirit of the living God, we thank you. We worship you. We magnify your name, oh God. We thank you for showing us us on today. Showing us, oh God, that we have a greater responsibility. That it's not about the house that we live in or the car that we drive or the job that we have. But it's about completing the task. It's about being that clean vessel that can't do it. That your preeminence, your glory can flow through, oh God. Father, remove any blockage, any stones, any clutter that is keeping your glory from the people. For we desire to be used of you and used the way you want to use us. Whether it's to preach to the poor or to bring conviction to the rich. Or vice versa, use us with no fear, no apprehension, and no burdens on task. Father, use us already. If you believe this prayer, just say amen. Come on, we got a hand for it. Amen.